Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 9 of Revelation chapter 11. We're going to be reading verses 8 through 10. Revelation 11, beginning in verse 8. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them, and make merry, and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. And I'll stop reading there. Now we have been looking at the two witnesses, and um, at the time they were overcome by the beast, which is a name for Satan, and their dead bodies, the Greek word potoma, um, lie in the street of the great city, spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. And we saw in Isaiah 1, in our last study, how the Lord speaks to Israel and and refers to the rulers of Sodom and the people of Gomorrah because of their wickedness, Sodom and Gomorrah, is famous for their evil deeds, for the amount of sins to the degree that they had given themselves over to transgressing the law of God. And likewise, Israel of old followed in the footsteps of Sodom. In the book of Ezekiel, God speaks of thy sister Sodom when addressing Judah and Israel, and it's indicating that they are related to Sodom, and the relationship is due to wickedness. And also God says that the great city, where the dead bodies of the two witnesses are lying in the street, and that is Jerusalem, which points to the churches and congregations at the end of time. Spiritually, Jerusalem, or the church, is called Sodom and Egypt. Now, why does God say that the church is called spiritually Egypt. Egypt is normally a picture of the world, but there is a particular characteristic that God assigns to Egypt, and he mentions this repeatedly in the Old Testament. We'll go to a couple of places. Uh, The first place we'll go is Exodus chapter 20, where the Ten Commandments are being recorded, and it says in Exodus 20, in verse 2, I am Jehovah thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Egypt is associated with bondage, with being a slave. Uh, The Israelites were in captivity in Egypt. In Deuteronomy 6, And there's uh, several verses we can go to, but this is the only other one we're going to read. It says in Deuteronomy 6, verse 12, 
then beware lest thou forget Jehovah, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Again and again, Egypt is linked to the house of bondage. And remember, historically, that wicked Pharaoh who would not let the Israelites go. In his stubborn, perverted rebelliousness, he refused to hearken to the commandment of God to let God's people go. And that Pharaoh aptly pictures Satan. And Satan also had captives, the uh, elect people of God, chosen to salvation from before the foundation of the world. They were out in this world and in sin, under the wrath of God, and therefore in Satan's dark kingdom, held captive by their own iniquity and serving sin, and as a result, serving Satan in that dark dungeon, uh, the house of bondage, until the word of God came and delivered them, and delivered them from all sin. And and that's why Jesus said, if the Son of Man makes you free, ye shall be free indeed. The deliverance from Egypt pictures that deliverance from Satan, from sin, from darkness. And when God gave up the church, when God abandoned the congregations, when he left and his spirit came out of the midst of the churches and congregations of the world, it was as though that place of deliverance, because that's where the word of God was found, that's where people would come to hear the Bible, to the church, that's how it had been for hundreds and hundreds of years, and so that was a place of deliverance, and yet now, the moment the Holy Spirit departed, the daily was taken away, and the abomination of desolation set up, Satan entered in, it was as if Pharaoh once again was ruling in Egypt, and the churches and congregations immediately were transported spiritually to the condition of captivity, to the condition of bondage to sin. There was no more deliverance. There there was no deliverer because Christ had absented himself from the church. Now, uh, we read a very interesting verse also in the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, it says in verse 68, it's the last verse of Deuteronomy 28, and Jehovah shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships by the way whereof I spake unto thee. Thou shalt see it no more again, and there you shall be sold unto your enemies for bondmen and bondwomen, and no man shall buy you. Now, this is very interesting um, because God here in Deuteronomy 28 is speaking to Israel. He He's speaking to uh, those that obey his commandments in the first 14 or so verses, and then from verse 15 onward till the end of the chapter, 
he is addressing those that disobey, the rebels. And, and it is curse after curse that is recorded. And finally, to sum it up, as God is addressing a rebellious house, and of course Israel typifies the New Testament church, and God ends, he concludes this chapter by saying, Jehovah shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships. Now, Israel had come out of Egypt with the great deliverance at the time of the Exodus, and they had not returned. But God is prophesying. He is foretelling. And and he is declaring to Israel that you will return to Egypt, to the house of bondage, and you're going to be carried there on vessels, on ships. Now, you can search the Bible, and and you can read all the information we have in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and you're not going to find anywhere where the Israelites were loaded onto ships and shipped back to Egypt. You you just will not be able to find that. Now, this is a problem for those who want to take the Bible literally because there is no literal fulfillment of this. Now, they might get around it by saying, oh, this is going to happen in some future age, but there is no future age. Um, people who think there's some thousand-year reign of Christ on earth or or whatever they think about a millennial period to come are extremely off course. And we are living in the last days of the world. There will be no future generations um, for this to be fulfilled literally. Well, then, does that mean God gave a prophecy? Because God is saying, in a matter-of-fact way, in Deuteronomy 28:68, Jehovah shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships, by the way whereof I spake unto thee. Thou shalt see it no more again. And, and then they'll be sold, and no man shall buy you. Now, how can that be? If God says something will happen, it must happen. How else will the scriptures be fulfilled? And if the scriptures are not fulfilled, then that means that God did not speak the truth. That uh, if God fails to fulfill a single scripture, then uh, that is uh, just a calamity. That That is about as awful as anything could be. And yet, of course, he has not failed to fulfill this. We, in this time, in this season, have witnessed with our own eyes the fulfillment of what God is saying here. Jehovah shall bring thee, that is Israel, or as Israel typifies the church, and it's referring to the churches, the the outward representation of God's kingdom on earth, in, in the modern age, Jehovah shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships. This is not referring to literal Egypt, but what Egypt represents, the house of bondage, into a condition of spiritual captivity. And, and God uh, is going to bring the corporate body, the New Testament church, 
into spiritual captivity to Satan because Egypt had a pharaoh who ruled over it and Satan's kingdom has a king who rules over it and it's him. And God says that he will bring thee into Egypt again with ships. The um, mode of transportation is going to be ships. It's not horses. It's not by foot. It, it's to load all of Israel up together in ships and sail back to Egypt. And then when you get to Egypt, you unload all the passengers and they go into Egypt. That is the picture God is giving. And, and that is the teaching that he is prophesying. He will do this. Well, now let's ask the question. What do ships represent in the Bible? And when we search the Bible, we find that God speaks of making uh, faith shipwreck in, I think it's Second Timothy or First Timothy. And God uses the illustration of a shipwreck in Acts 27 to picture the end of the church age, to picture the Great Tribulation period. Churches are typified by ships in the Bible. And that is how God is going to bring Israel or church members back to Egypt. He is going to do it through the churches and congregations because God's times and seasons decree was that there would be a church age. The church age would uh, last quite a long time, almost 2,000 years. But there comes a point, and that point came back in 1988, when the church age ends, the two witnesses finish their testimony, they are slain, they're lying dead in the street of the church, and then the church spiritually at that moment in time is called Egypt. God now has fulfilled Deuteronomy 28, verse 68, he has brought them, his people who identify with him, back to the house of bondage. And he has done it through the churches and congregations of the world because the the people who are not truly God's people, they would remain in the churches, they they just refused to listen at later on when God opened up the scriptures to reveal the end of the church age and his command to depart out of the midst. Oh no, oh no, we're staying right here. They they remained on their ship, they were returned to Egypt, the house of bondage, indicating they were never saved. They they were enslaved to sin and to Satan, and finally they became bundled as tares for the burning. Now notice the extremely tragic conclusion to verse 68 in Deuteronomy 28. Thou shalt see it no more again, that is, that, that promised land, and there ye shall be sold unto your enemies for bondmen and bondwomen, and no man shall buy you. That is, the man is Christ Jesus, and to buy means to redeem. 
Christ will not redeem you there. In Egypt, where the churches have become spiritually Egypt, you will find no redemption. You will not be purchased by the blood of Christ. You will not be delivered any longer in that place. And, and of course, that um, ties in with all that we've learned that when God brings judgment, a spiritual judgment, and he did bring a spiritual judgment on the churches. No one could see this with their physical eyes. No one could understand this by looking at the church outwardly. These things are discerned through the the Bible itself and by God opening our understanding to what he has written. Just, just look how he hid that verse in Deuteronomy. Speaking of taking Israel back to Egypt, and doing so through ships. Who could understand that apart from the grace of God? Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 13, it is given unto you, speaking to the apostles, and the apostles representative of God's elect, to understand the parables that Christ was speaking, but unto them it is not given. And and so things... Uh, like in Deuteronomy, are hidden spiritually. And we have to understand them spiritually, looking for the parabolic meaning. And that's why God is saying here in Revelation 11, verse 8, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. And that means the church isn't actually Egypt, of course, but spiritually look for what that means, that that. Egypt is identified as the house of bondage. The churches used to be the house of God. Now they're the house of bondage. How, uh, how, how tragic, how awful that is that people go, they think, each Sunday to the house of God. And in reality, they are going to a house of bondage. They have brought their children to a place of spiritual captivity where there is no man to redeem them. There is no savior, no deliverer, no salvation in any congregation of the world. Once the witness of the two witnesses concluded and they were lying dead in the street. No wonder that uh, Jeremiah was called a weeping prophet as God used him in the book of Jeremiah in Lamentations to record much of these details of the end of the church age and God's judgment upon them. It is the most awful uh, of circumstances for people that that uh, remained in their churches. It, it just can't get any worse and well, actually, it did at the end of the Great Tribulation and the beginning of Judgment Day, and then God slew them all with one fell swoosh, with with one uh, sword strike. He smote the third part, and he killed them all because there was no more hope of salvation for them. And and uh, it, it's just awful and terrible that God judged his own people in this manner that that he destroyed them 
man, woman, and child spiritually. And notice what God says in Jeremiah 25, in uh, verse 28 and 29. And it shall be, if they refuse to take the cup of thine hand to drink, then shalt thou say unto them, Thus saith Jehovah of hosts, Ye shall certainly drink, for lo, I begin to bring evil on the city which is called by my name. Judgment begins at the house of God. As First Peter 4.17 declares, and God's referring to that. And notice, as he's going to now turn his attention to the nations of the world, to the unsaved inhabitants of the earth, he first points out, I began to judge my own people. And God had a close relationship with those people. They, they uh, had certain intimacies. God uh, gave them his word. They were the caretakers of the oracles of God. God blessed them in many ways. Even if they weren't saved, there were certain special blessings that individuals had who were related or identified with God in Israel of old and in the New Testament church. And and God had a close relationship with these people, and yet he judged them, and yet he did this to them. He He returned them to Egypt, where there was no Redeemer any longer for them. He ended salvation for his own people in all the churches of the world that number about two billion. And there were uh, elderly and middle-aged and young people and little children and babies and children in the womb. Some children were conceived and born into the church under judgment. They never had opportunity to themselves be outside of the church, in the world, in the place where God, the last 17 years, was pouring out the latter rain. These children were born into the church, and they lived there however long. They might have been born in 2005, 2008, 2010, or 11, and their parents never left the church. How tragic, how uh, unjust, no, no, we can never accuse God of that. It It is just that God had no elect within the congregations, and, and there are children included that are non-elect. God did not predestinate them to salvation. But yet God brought such a terrible judgment upon his own people, and the point that he's making in Jeremiah 25 is if I did that to my own people, to a city called by my name, and I know them to some degree, I have relationship with them, do you think I will not do it to you, people out there in the world with whom I have no such relationship, you who are not called by my name, you who are not the caretakers of my oracles, you who have not experienced the blessings of of living uh, by the name of Christ as these other professors have. Oh, here's what God says in Jeremiah 25, 29. For lo, 
I begin to bring evil in the city which is called by my name. And should ye be utterly unpunished? Ye shall not be unpunished, for I will call for a sword upon all the inhabitants of the earth, saith Jehovah of hosts. Don't think for a minute that I won't do exactly to you what I did to the church. The same cup of wrath. First, the churches drink. And now, we take that cup and we give it to the people of the world, the unsaved, and you will drink also. If I did that to my own people, of course I'm going to do it to you who are not my people. That's the point. And and you see, that's the point that people are missing. They're, they're just completely not understanding. They think, well, God would never do that to the world. God would never end his salvation there. God would never um, uh, uh, make it so no man will redeem them. Oh, that can't be. Well, ask the same people, did God do that to the church? Why, yes, yes, if, uh, if they haven't lost that understanding yet. They'll acknowledge, yes, God did that to the church. So you believe that God would do something that terrible to his own people, but he wouldn't dare do it to those that are not his people. That is contrary to what God is saying in Jeremiah 25. That is contrary to the teaching of the Bible. Look first at what God did to a people that he had close relationship with, and then fear. Then realize, if God did that to them, well, of course he'll do the same, at least, to those that are uh, in no such relationship with him. In other words, if God ended salvation in the church, and he did for throughout the 23 years, no one was saved anywhere. That was the cup they were given to drink. No one was saved in any church of the world. And then the same cup is given to the people of the earth. Well, of course, God will most definitely do that. He has already showed us that he would do it when he did it to those that had that special relationship with him. And it, it is incorrect reasoning and and just completely wrong to think that God would not dare to do such a thing. Well, uh, I'm afraid people who think that they they're not reading the Bible with a proper understanding at all. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.